Hello, beautiful souls. We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information. Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. Welcome to the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Rachel. And we're really excited to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about something today that is a little controversial. I think it's really controversial. And no, it's not sex this time. No, no. Uh, And in fact, for some people, this subject is more controversial than sex or politics or even religion. Yep. It can stir up a lot of emotions, and it can get people pretty defensive. Yeah, because people all have their own methodology and ideology, and uh, it, and for most people, it's uh, not a spiritual practice, but ought to be. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there that also have very strong beliefs that think they are right, similar to some religious beliefs. People are like, nope, this is the way. My right. way is the way. Right, they get very dogmatic about it. And I've been there in the past. I have been. Yeah, and I have too. And this is something that people can be highly, highly addicted to. Oh, it's hu- Oh, yes. Yes. The, huge the addiction, addiction to this is running rampant through our society. And this is also something that is uh, a lot of people don't want to believe this, but is used for mass mind control and po- population control. Oh, yeah. It goes broad and wide. And this deep. Topic. Yep. Yep. So, what is it? We're going to be talking to you about your food. It's one of the hottest subjects. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This is something that you partake in bare minimum three times a day. Yeah, at, at least. least. If you're just eating three normal meals a day, not counting all the additional snacks and vending machines and convenience store trips. Yeah, and you know, it's not really taught in our in our culture that food is medicine. Food has the ability to heal any and every disease. I mean, they already have the cure for cancer. And yet people are donating thousands of dollars to cancer research when really they could be putting it into their food. Yeah, there's a big disconnect there where in our current society, we eat like garbage. Mm -hmm. We're pretty much just shown every single advertisement you see. For the most part, if you see an ad for food, it's not good for you. Right. You know, it's poison posing as food. Yeah, and this food, this quote food, actually takes more toll than it gives you energy. So your body works harder to process some of this garbage food than any of the nutrients that it gives you. Well, and there's a lot of money and propaganda wrapped up in the food because there's so many uh, devilish companies, you know, Monsanto being one, which is a, a big household name right now, that have a lot of money wrapped up in, you know, how we eat. Yep, Nestle, you know, mm-hmm. the list goes on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like makes my my devil horns come out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, the thing is here we are, we're we're eating all the worst food that's actually taking a toll on our body, and then we go to the doctor and what do they say? They give us prescriptions for the rest of our life. So now we're putting more chemicals in on top of it, but never once do they say maybe you should change your diet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the the root cause of it all. They're like, "Nope, just keep doing what you're doing." Keep eating all the Big Macs, keep eating all the Jumbo Jacks, Mm -hmm. and then just take this pill. Take the statin. You'll be good. Right. And, you know, I think that with this topic, it is really easy to get into more of the looking at some of the darkness of it all. Um, But really, there are people that are waking up. You know, we're in a really cool time on the planet, and people are starting to wake up to these truths, and people are starting to make shifts, uh, but it's not happening as quickly as it needs to happen. We need more of you waking up to the the fact that food is medicine and the key to your longevity and the key to your wellness, physical, emotional, spiritual lies in what you're putting in your body. There is a saying of you are what you eat. You've all heard that. And this saying is absolutely true. It is absolutely true on a fundamental level because while you are not certain things of your identity, like you're not your job, you're not your clothes, you're not your political party, you're not your financial status, you're not any of those things, but on a molecular level, you are what you eat. You put things into your body, you chew them up, you swallow it, and then that becomes the cells of your body. You have to take in constant food, nutrition, because we're in these physical form, and it transmutes itself and transforms into the cells of your flesh. So the things that you eat become you and become your physical body. 
not only your physical body, but it becomes your, your mood, becomes your outlook. It governs how you show up and move through the world. Governs your hormonal flow and your emotion. Yep. Yeah, if you're eating really alive food, then you'll feel really alive. If you're re- eating really empty, dead food, you'll feel empty and, and dead and always looking for something else to, to nourish you. Yeah, and, you know, we need to ask what some of these food choices that we're presented with, we need to ask, what are these big corporations' intention? Whose best interest are they serving? Is it the people? Is no. it the general population and the, the betterment of society? No, it's their pocketbooks. And so they're going to give you the cheapest approach. They're going to give you the most chemicals to hook you on coming back to that flavor and eating the whole bag of Cheetos in one sitting because you just need that addictive mouthfeel. And so today we're not going to be telling you how to do anything or what to do. That's your own journey. Let food be your spiritual journey. It's a sacred path that you walk. And and we really want to highlight that it needs to be instinctual right? When, when we go shopping with the kids, it's so cute. Um, they'll say, oh, which, like recently Liberty was like, which banana should I get? And, and we shy away from that word should even because it automatically makes you right or wrong. And so I, I simply said to her, well, hold this banana, like right, hold it close to your heart, close your eyes. How does it make you feel? And immediately I saw this big smile come across her face. And then she put that banana down and she picked up the other banana. And I said, great. So how does this one make you feel? And she kind of was like more in a, a little pensive, like thinking mind about it. And I said, you got to feel into it. And and I could tell immediately which one she liked more than the other. And uh, she was like, I like this one. And she picked up the one that made made her smile. And so that's a, that's really basic trusting your instincts, trusting your intuition. It's like elementary level muscle testing, <laughs> sway testing. Yeah, it's beautiful. And some people mock this method, but this is how I shop for everything. I, I feel how it makes my body feel just even with the initial coming into contact with. It's like when you come into contact with another human being, you know in the first like three seconds how, how it feels to be around that person. And that's what you need to trust. So same thing with the food and vitamins too. Like, I mean, vitamins are not even regulated in our country at all. It's like, it's so archaic. <laughs> and so I, I'll pick up vitamins off the shelf and I'll read all about it and I look at the packaging, uh, but ultimately I need to trust my intuition and trust what my body's saying, whether I need that or not. Yeah, and the packaging, you know, sometimes your, your food needs and choices will definitely evolve over time. There's a specific company that makes wonderful bread that I used to just love. It's really good quality bread. I mean, it's um, nourishing. They have sprouted stuff. They have all this other, you know, good quality stuff. But it has a very unfortunate word in its name. It has the word killer in the name of the company. And I was going to get a loaf of bread the other day and I picked it up and I looked at it and I was like, I I can't do it anymore. That's not what I want. I love their product, but I just couldn't purchase it because it had that word that I'm trying to remove from my vocabulary. Right, and when you look at um, Dr. Emoto's work with all of the putting the water droplets under the microscope and seeing how the words and the thoughts affect the water, having that word killer on your bread is infusing that energetics into into the bread. So, so we're inviting you into more intentionality around your food, more awareness around your food, right? Like, where is it coming from? Who, how many people touched your food before it got to your plate? What were the what were the practices that went into it? You know, how did it was it sourced locally? Was it sourced all the way across the globe and people had to lose limbs just to get it to you, right? Yeah, more intentionality, more awareness, more intuition. And a lot of more reverence because mm-hmm. we're in a society that fast food is a thing. You sit in your car, drive through a window, get handed a slab of, quote, beef in between a couple buns and right. then chow it down on the freeway. You yeah, know, there's zero and it's all connection. been put together by, a you know, some grumpy, despondent teenager or whatever that... <laughs> oh, zero intentionality in love. I mean, we all know the difference that intention makes with a meal. There's a big difference between throwing some grody, hungry man dinner in the microwave and having somebody prepare a meal lovingly with care. It's like, how would you, how would you tend to a baby, you know, or even coming together with your beloved? It's like, are you just all willy nilly, like not really present versus 
coming together with your beloved and, and creating a sacred space. So we, that's what needs to happen with your food. This is like a, the act of making love to yourself in a sense. And so coming back to that microwave, that thing got to go. No, gotta get rid I haven't of that had thing. a microwave for years. Microwave radiation embedding into your food just so you can possibly eat a little bit quicker. We haven't had a microwave in our home ever since we've been together. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been, we're, we're on our fourth year now. Yep. It really doesn't take much longer. It honestly doesn't take much longer. I mean, sure, you could, like, maybe push one minute button and nuke something. The word nuke is even in, in the word. People call it that. Oh, I'm going to nuke it. Mm-hmm. Really? That's what you're bringing into yourself? So go ahead and microwave some broccoli. You might as well just be eating cardboard. There's right. nothing left in it. You've killed all the nutrients out of that beautiful food. And not only that, but it's actually shifted it into something that's harmful. And being around those those microwave rays is really, really harmful. And this is becoming more and more public knowledge, but there are still, I would be willing to bet, some of you that still have a microwave. I mean, that, yeah, get it out. You don't even want that, that energy in your home. It's, pretty, it's really toxic with the, uh, the EMFs. And so intention goes a long way. We don't need to speed through all our meals. There's even a movement called the slow food movement that is all about really enjoying the luxury and all the senses, all the sensual gifts of our food, engaging all of the senses and really getting into the vitality of it, all the delicious little nuances and really savoring your food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, the reason that people get sick is because their body is having to work so hard to process all of this this garbage that's being taken in. And that takes a real toll on the immune system. And actually, we have some guests lined up later that are going to be sharing even more about how you can amp up your immune system and actually reverse the signs of aging. Aging is actually just a state of inflammation, right? So if you're eating foods that inflame you or you're having inflamed thoughts, then that's going to be speeding up your aging process. And it's also going to be lowering your immune system. And so, yeah, we have some guests that are going to be talking about how they have healed from cancer by food. Uh, You have the ability to reverse any disease. It doesn't matter what is going on in your body. It's reversible just by the food that you eat. And now it may take some diligence on your part. You know, you're going to have to be really dedicated. But uh, it is possible to heal from anything. Oh, yeah. So food has absolute power. It is the fuel that we put into our engine. And so just like an automobile, if you put the lowest quality fuel all the time and you never ever change the oil and you don't refresh some of these other fluids, it's just going to break down. You're, you're running wear and tear on your personal engine. So you want to bring in the highest quality material and the highest quality food into your personal engine. So now you ask, what about the times that you can't necessarily sit down and prepare a meal all from organic, healthy foods, all from scratch in your own home? You know, we do live in a very busy world, and sometimes you just got to get something on the go. This is where the energetics come in, and this is where when you're in a pinch and in a bind and you have to just get something, you can transmute your food into a higher vibration. This is not quite the same as, you know, doing it all yourself with love from scratch, but by holding your hands over your food and sending rays of light, rays of healing light energy into the food, you will at least raise its vibration significantly into a level that your body can use. You've embedded it with some love. So this is kind of the same thing as a prayer, a good prayer before a meal. Oh, a good prayer before a meal can work miracles. Literally, it can work miracles. And I, you know, I'm a Reiki master. And so I, I run energy and love and light on all of everything that comes into my body and into my awareness. It's really important. And in fact, in, in the yogic texts, right, this is the kitchen sadhana or your, your path to divinity through your kitchen work or through your food work. And I actually will chant mantra in my head or even out loud as I'm preparing my food. Or I'll put some music on that's really high vibrational. So, you know, beautiful classical music, Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, right? This has the ability to change the, the molecular structure of your food and your environment. Or the, the Om Mani Padme Om has the, the ability to activate the 22 strands of DNA. So I love having that going while I'm juicing or making a salad or, or whatnot. Food becomes quite a habit for us. It's this habitual thing, and we kind of can get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing just because we've done it or because it's easy. And 
a lot of times in my work with clients, what I really help them with is breaking old patterns and breaking old cycles and empowering them with new technology and information tools to actively choose something different. So this can apply to food, it can apply to exercise habits, it can apply to thought patterns. Mm -hmm. And once you start deciding something different, it can be a little bit challenging at first when you start a new path. All of a sudden you've been doing something for so long that hasn't been serving you, and now you're going to move into something else. It does take diligence, it can be a little challenging, but then after you get over that initial hump, it's like now you've established a new pattern. You have a new habit that is actually fulfilling you, nourishing you, and serving you instead of depleting you. Yeah, and then you are free from the spirals of, of food addiction. Most people in our country are really, really addicted to the food. Uh, you know, salt is a really addictive substance, as well as sugar. I mean, when you look at some of the research done on sugar and how it affects the brain, it's as addictive as cocaine. It affects the brain in the same way as cocaine, and yet we're feeding this to our children, right? And I really believe that these drugs ought to be outlawed. And then that doesn't even get into some of the other things. People are still using canola oil, which canola oil is actually, its true form is called rapeseed. It's because that's what it does. It, it like rapes your body of all nutrients and then they relabel it canola oil. And the reason they even started growing rapeseed is because it is resistant to bug infestation. So the bugs won't even eat this and yet we're, we're putting it in our bodies. And then you talk about things being resistant, the plants being resistant to things. What about this whole GMO nightmare? The main function of GMOs, many of you may have heard about GMOs, but don't even really know what the big deal is. So that's a genetically modified organism. And what they've done is this mega corporation, this devil corporation called Monsanto. They're the makers of the herbicide Roundup. This is the weed killer Roundup. They have engineered plants grains, all kinds of foods to be Roundup resistant. And this means that they can take a plane, fly it over a field, and dump hundreds of gallons of Roundup all over the food just so no other weeds will grow. So there's, it's a more, quote, efficient crop. And so what you have is this super saturated food with toxic pesticides, toxic pesticides, herbicides, and chemicals. Well, and then the sad thing is, is that they're, they're doing this in some of our most holy land. Like we were we, we travel to Kauai a few times a year, and that whole island, they've just bombarded it with this GMO garbage. And so, you know, and then it spreads, right? Because you can't just keep keep seeds and things uh, contained in one area. The wind picks it up, and it goes from field to field to field. And so even the organic farmers are having a real problem with these genetically modified products getting into their food supply. And there have even been instances where Monsanto has sued these farms. So, for example, you have GMO farm on the left side of the road, organic farm on the right side of the road. They're growing the same crop. The crops will cross-pollinate, and then Monsanto will send a scientist out to test the organic farm's food and say, oh, look at this. You have some of the GMO food in your crops, and it's patented. They're all patented seeds. And so now they sue them for basically stealing their, their intellectual property. And the really sad thing is, is that the children are our biggest victims of this. You know, adult bodies have a, a little bit easier time, although you see with all the obesity and illness taking over that it is challenging for adults. But the children, they just can't, they can't handle it. Their immune systems can't handle it. The elderly, they can't handle it. It really is a population control thing. And as a matter of fact... I believe at this current count, there are 38 countries around the world that have completely banned GMOs. There's like 20-something in Europe. There's countries all over the world, even in Africa, that are banning GMOs completely. But yet here in America, we just love them. We just keep them going. Oh, yeah. Europe doesn't want any of our stuff. They don't want any of our meat, any of our cheese. Yeah, they don't want any of our food. So toxic. There are some areas where people are standing up a little bit and making a little bit of change. So... The restaurant chain Chipotle has recently announced that they would have no GMOs at all in any of their menu. And wouldn't you know that almost immediately after, there was an E. coli outbreak in the restaurants. Well, as research has gone on, the FDA website themselves confirms that more than 2,500 tests were done on food, restaurant equipment, and surfaces, and there was zero sign of E. coli anywhere in any of these restaurants. Also, zero employees got sick. Right. 
Mm. Which the employees of all the restaurants, they eat the food because that's one of the perks they get, right? Right, right. They're young, they're college students or whatever, and they want to have a nice lunch break. (sighs) It's so fucked up. (laughs) And so what this was, this was corporate sabotage by the biotech industries. They were basically trying to do a little scolding and shaming of Chipotle and their brand, trying to make people afraid to eat their food and harm them financially and possibly even shut the business down. Yeah, all so that they could get GMOs back into the fast food industry. It's it's big money. It's big business. Yeah, it's really sick, and the corruption is rampant through our food industry in many, many ways. This is just the tip of the iceberg, you know, and this is what I work with clients on, particularly in the VIP days and my VIP weekends, is, you know, I'll even go through women's refrigerators and help them and, uh, you know, really teach them about what are the good foods and what are the are the not good foods, right? You know, there's this thing called the dirty dozen, and uh, you'll wanna you'll wanna look up what the dirty dozen is and just stay clear of that. Those are the top twelve foods that have the most chemical content, and you really need to go organic. Mm-hmm. So anything You're that's on the list it. of the dirty dozen, you need organic food. I would suggest organic everything. Organic everything, yeah. You know. About a decade ago, um, maybe even more, I was not eating organic food, or I was dabbling, right? I didn't, I didn't see it as being that that big of a deal, and you know, I had some mistaken beliefs that oh, it's so expensive, and you know, is there really that big of a difference? And and there is, there is a huge difference. You can feel it in your body, and you are worth it. You're worth it to spend the few extra dollars to make sure that you are putting really high vibrational food into your body. Yeah, that list of the dirty dozen, it does it does mutate and change every year depending on what the major farms are doing. In 2015, the list of the dirty dozen, this is the highest pesticide loads in the non-organic food. And in 2015, it was apples, peaches, nectarines, strawberries, grapes, celery, spinach, sweet bell peppers, and cucumbers, cherry tomatoes, and snap peas and potatoes. So any of those items, if you're not eating organic, you are eating a chemical pesticide sponge. Yeah, and so these foods, you definitely, like Daniel said, have to get them organic. But I would not even ever juice any of anything that's not organic. Because when you're juicing, you are taking a highly, highly concentrated um, dose of that food. And so if you're juicing something that's not organic, you're taking a highly, highly concentrated dose of poison, of chemicals. You're concentrating the the GMO or the pesticides that they've put into it. So if you are, you know, juicing and doing smoothies, it's really important that those ingredients have to be organic. And Rachel did mention kind of people will be squeamish of the cost. I'm like, oh, but it costs, you know, it costs sometimes even twice as much. Well, guess what? We're going to live twice as long. How's your medical bill? Yeah. How's, <laughs> how's your deductible, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. How's your insurance? Yeah. So now I'd like to get into an area of our food discussion that is probably the edgiest and most controversial and people might have the most resistance to. That is quite simply the damage and toll that eating animals and the animal industry does on this planet and on our bodies. It's completely outrageous. Personally, I choose a vegan lifestyle. Rachel and I both do. And we can get into that a little bit more about why that choice would be made. But people will ask, well, why why do you choose to not eat animals? Is it like for little Bambi or is it, you know, for the planet or your hippie, whatever? And generally, I'll just say it's for health. Mm-hmm. And that is for my personal health, for the health of the animal <laughs> that it didn't get slaughtered, and the health of the planet as a whole. Yeah, maybe we both could say a little bit about... Our, our walk with this, you know, because it's an evolution, right? You, like I said earlier, your food choices, it's a spiritual path, right? And it's about bringing more intentionality, more awareness. And once you know better, then you have to do better, right? And so it's constantly evolving. And you may take two steps forward and one step back and try on different things. And it's all about figuring out what works for you. And so we're not going to tell you what to do and what's right, but we are going to share a little bit about our personal walk. Yeah, I used to have this not on my radar at all. I mean, many years ago when I was a punk rocker, there were a lot of vegetarian and vegan activism within the community, and it wasn't anything that really worked for me. I just kind of didn't, I didn't really go for it, and I wouldn't pay much attention, you know? So years later, just through a lot of unconsciousness and... um 
kind of a sad life. One day, my girlfriend at the time said, I think I'm going to try a vegetarian diet for maybe 30 days. Are you interested in trying it with me? And I said, yeah, sure. I, I was willing to just give it a shot. I gave it a try. And then the next thing you know, I started reading information and I started getting educated. And some people call it vegetated. The more and more I learned, the stronger my passions became. And I started watching movies like Super Size Me, Food Inc., Forks Over Knives, and then the real powerhouses, Earthlings. Or Meet Your Meat. Meet Your Meat, things like that. Reading a lot of different books, Diet for a New America. I started looking at the broader aspect of this system, that it wasn't just about the food, that there was a whole industry that I didn't necessarily agree with that was going on behind the scenes that was really dirty and ugly. And as a matter of fact, you know, a lot of people will will even say, oh, I don't want to see that stuff. If you even try to show like a picture of a slaughterhouse or something, they're like, oh, I, no, I don't want to see that. Well, Right, like there's a reason you take your kids to the the orchard and pick apples and not to the slaughterhouse. Right. Paul McCartney of the Beatles is famous for saying, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, we would all be vegetarians. Totally. Because people will say they don't want to see it. And so how can you support and promote a system that you purposely are choosing to stay blind from mm -hmm. and keep behind closed doors? In time, that just didn't work for me anymore. And, uh, you know, after trying vegetarian for a while, I did that for a good amount of time. And then started moving more into the into the vegan lifestyle. And for a while, I called myself conveniently vegan. Anything I would purchase was always vegan. But if I was at somebody else's house or something, I would eat some cheese. I would just, you know, eat whatever was there because it was it worked. It was convenient. But yeah, then I just made the, the, the shift all the way and I've never felt better in my whole life. It has given me new vitality and energy. And I, I just love, I love my food. As a matter of fact, people would ask, oh, well, what in the world do you eat, you know? And looking back, I realized that by choosing a veg lifestyle, I actually opened up my whole food palette because I used to cook with this whole idea of like a protein and a side dish. Like, oh, I'm going to cook a pork chop and some green beans. Or I'm going to cook like salmon and some potatoes. And that was like my, my whole world. And then all of a sudden, now that I'm just working with vegetables, I have all kinds of different creativity coming on and like different soups and stews and soufflés and curries and like all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and my walk was a, a little different, actually. In all transparency, it started out with vanity. I was quite young, and when I was, like, 11 and 12, you know, I'd, I'd really bought into that whole, like, supermodel stick-thin mentality, and so I actually suffered from, like, anorexia and bulimia for a, a, a little while in my life. And so my, my actual shift was that if I eat a lot of meat that's like heavier and harder to digest. And so I, I shifted to being a, a vegetarian uh, in that time and, and really wasn't even eating very many carbs or anything. It was like, I'm going to eat vegetables because those are less calories and they're easier to digest. So it started out with vanity and some sort of mental illness, actually. Like a celery diet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, as I started to heal, I began to get more educated and wanted to only put good things in my body. And so I began doing research and it was like, you know, it's, it's easier to digest. Uh, it takes about two hours to digest a salad. It takes about four to six hours to digest fruits and vegetables. It takes about eight hours to digest grains and bread. And then it takes about 12 hours to digest meat. It doesn't matter how big. It could be like a little, you know, quarter-sized chunk of meat. That thing's going to be sitting in your intestines for 12 hours. You feel lighter and freer without being bogged down by all of this, this food. And then I wanted to be getting the maximum amount of nutrients into my cells, into my body. Um, I was uh, dancing a bunch and, you know, running. I was a runner. And so I wanted to be getting optimum nutrition that was easy to absorb in a quick amount of time. And really that can happen through more of a liquid diet, right? Then you, you're getting all the nutrition and it is able to flow through you at a quicker rate. And so then in this process, I'm, uh, you know, checking in with, with documentaries and literature, that some of which Daniel mentioned, you know, and learning that like our meat is really, really tainted. Like we said earlier too, I mean, other countries don't want anything to do with our food. The, the nitrates and things that they put in some of the cold cuts is really, really damaging to the system and is one of the number one cancer causers. The, the hormones and things that they're putting into the meat is causing, you know, young girls and boys to develop quicker. It's causing all kinds of reproductive problems within our world. 
then when you look at the uh, the fact that everything that we eat is actually a solar vibration, so this is light trapped in the food, right? And that comes across as enzymes and proteins and vitamins. And so this, this energy is temporarily in the food and then it becomes released as we put it into our body. Becoming us. Becoming us, right? I could not get down with eating things that were the vibration of suffering or were the vibration of fear or the vibration of anger, right? The chemicals and the hormones that are released in the animals at the time of their death, I didn't want to be consuming that. And so I was vegetarian for, like I said, for vanity's sake and then turned into nutrition's sake for, for a number of years. And then I actually took a big like my pendulum swung way back the other way. I was dating a chef. And so then I started eating all the foie gras and I started eating beef and stuffed chicken and all of this stuff. And it was quite gluttonous. And I actually gained a ton of weight and I became very depressed and I had terrible skin. And so here I had been feeling vibrant and then I shifted back. So I got to do the, the contrast. I had severe contrast in my life as far as my diet went. I started having skin rashes and severe mood swings and really um, more heavy menstruation and cramping and things because of the hormones in the food. Uh, and so I had to have a really, that was a huge wake up call. I ended up getting hooked up with uh, a, a naturopath and an acupuncturist who does testing on all this stuff. And I was able to make huge, huge changes. I had a my my body was really overrun with um, candida, which can show up in a lot of different ways. I was getting these sort of dizzy spells and uh, was having a lot of bloating and gas, as well as mental fog and fatigue. And so I just knew that I could not continue on down that road. And then also connecting in even more deeply with some of the suffering that was that was going on. As long as we eat violence, as long as we consume violence, there will always be violence on our planet. Yeah, there's a thought that as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. You know, and it's really challenging in our culture because there's so much propaganda. We are met by propaganda that we don't even know is propaganda. Even that whole 80s campaign of, and it's still going on, I think, is like milk, it does a body good. I mean, that was so fun. And they had all the superstars on. and With their milk with mustache. The, with their milk mustache. And really, no, milk fucks your body up. <laughs> that was like the first thing that I gave up. I could not handle. I mean, everybody on our planet is lactose intolerant. People like to, some people like to say, oh, you know, it's good. And, but a lot of people are waking up about that, too. Humans are the only animal on the entire planet that are milk vampires. We drink the milk of another species. We're also the only animal on the planet that drinks milk after infancy. And so we now we're big, grown, hulking humans that are, like, suckling on cow milk or goat milk. It's just really bizarre. It's really, it's really twisted. It's so twisted. People will ask. I do get a question pretty commonly of, like, yeah, I kind of get the vegetarian thing, you know? Okay, so you don't want to kill the animals, but... What's the deal with vegan? I mean, those animals don't get killed, like with an egg or a milk, it doesn't like kill the animal. But as a matter of fact, those industries are equally horrific, if not more so. Right. There's like 80,000 birds packed into a warehouse. I mean, even this is just, this is like the free range myth, right? The A lot of the eggs are, they're crammed in, in small crates and they cut their beaks off and they... They cut their beaks off so they don't go crazy and peck each other to death. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's really sick. Those are called battery cages. They're all stacked on top of each other. They're shooting down on top of all the other birds. And the ammonia cloud inside of these things is enough to knock knock you out. Oh, so you can't even walk in there without like, hazmat a hazmat suits. suit. Yeah. Totally. And so then this is what you're consuming. These birds are like shitting and breathing and then they're producing the food. And then, so they, this is an egg industry, right? So they have all these eggs and then half of those chicks that they are incubating and hatching come out male. And since those male chicks can't produce eggs and add more, quote, value to the industry, they literally get put up a conveyor belt and into a grinder alive. Millions and millions of chicks. It is a waterfall of living chicks entering into a meat grinder. It is an absolute holocaust. It is a holocaust. Yeah, and so, I, you know, your walk will be different than our walk. First, I, you know, gave up milk. 
because like I couldn't handle watching somebody drink a glass of milk and looking at their mucus coated tongue and you know you go to the grocery store and you look at all these like snot nosed babies and people don't know why their baby like is you know having all these issues well it's because the, the dairy is a mucus creator so the eggs and the milk are a mucus creator and I could not handle the milk and then I then I woke up to the to the meat industry and I thought, wow, that's like so grotesque. But I still decided that, you know, like buffalo hasn't been inbred for hundreds of years and has to be a little bit more free range and grass fed and not, you know, GMO corn. So I, I shifted to, you know, only eating like ground buffalo. That was my step towards health was letting go of all the the hormone injection injected beef and corn fed beef and the gnarly chicken chicken always grossed me out pork always grossed me out you know and then with the with how toxic our world's water is and the mercury levels and the heavy metals that are in fish that was one of the things that i i really had to give up too uh for my own health Oh, at first, yeah, I went through a little time during my transition and evolution that I thought I was going to be a pescatarian, which is somebody that chooses to eat fish, but right. no other animals. Because I was like, oh, well, I mean, the sea is pretty bountiful and the fish don't seem to, I'm sure they probably feel pain, but maybe it's not on the same, quote, level as like a, a mammal. Right. But, Their attention spans only like four seconds. Like well, Goldfish is longer than a human, right. according to some studies. <laughs> But then, again, in looking more into that, you see that this isn't just like the old man in the sea. This isn't just like, you know, a guy catching a tuna fish and bringing it to the market. These are massive death trawlers that go out there and scoop up the entire ocean floor. Oh, they're fucking up nets, the reefs. Oh, it's... Destroying the reefs. They have this thing called off-catch. So say they're, they're, they're fishing for tuna. And anything that isn't a tuna that they catch is just, quote, off-catch that usually just ends up getting... Uh, dead and once again put through a grinder and shot off the back of the boat in a big blood fountain back into the water. It's so it's really wasteful, right? You know, our 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 society is so consumeristic that it doesn't care about what's going on in the planet. And of the seafood, shrimp of all things is actually one of the worst. Right. The shrimp industry is a large generator of human slavery and human trafficking. You would never think it, but people actually get drugged and kidnapped and then forced to work on a shrimp boat right you can't get off the boat you're in the middle of the ocean just digging up the ocean floor it's wild it's wild yeah so you know in some of our uh earlier discussions you know we've talked about human trafficking this is like a whole nother another form of slavery on our planet is the shrimp industry yeah look it up do some research yourself you know look up look up the shrimp industry or you could even type in shrimp slaves and you'll find people that are like literally slaves to the shrimping industry so wild. And it has the biggest off-catch, too. The shrimping industry has the largest percentage of off-catch. So they're just, like, dredging up the ocean floor and chopping it up and sending it back out into pulp. Yeah. And then, you know, with the with issues like Fukushima and the problems with the all of the waste, the toxic waste that they're pumping into the ocean, I just, I had to make a personal choice and say, you know what, I don't want any of that in my body. And it's not necessary. I, You know, I am more vibrant than I have ever been in my whole life. I have more energy. I have the the most stamina. My body is a highly, highly functioning machine, and I feel more beautiful every day. And so what about this? Sometimes you'll get people saying, oh, well, aren't humans made to eat meat? I mean, come on, look at us. We're predators. We're, we're carnivores. We're made to eat meat. Look at these two little vaguely pointy teeth I have here. Like... Nope. There's a great... Those cute little canines that aren't even fully developed on everybody. Right. Little teeny, vaguely pointy teeth. So there's a really great talk online, and unfortunately I don't have the, the presenter's name handy, but he mentions how... His, his analogy is this. Okay, you want to say that you're a carnivore? You want to prove that you're a carnivore? Great. Run by yourself, chase down a deer, catch it, kill it with your bare hands and your teeth... And eat it right there. Just right there. Right. Bone. Blood raw. Hoof. Hair. Just tear into it. Just eat that thing from the viscera out. Then you're a carnivore. Carnivorous animals have very short, straight intestinal tracts. Opposed to us that have 22 feet of small intestine. And so what this does is it allows the plant protein to travel all the way through the long, curvy intestine and get all of the nutrients fully absorbed. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas biologically, you don't want a chunk of meat, a big chunk of beef, sitting in your long, curvy intestines for that long. Yeah, plus, you know, there's all kinds of problems with eating too much meat. Uh, I mean, really any meat is that, you know, there's heart problems, um, there's leukemia contained in, in meat, that's how people get leukemia, and, you know, even there's some schizophrenic kind of qualities that are fed by eating meat. Yeah, the whole mad cow scare, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we don't even, we don't live in a world of our ancestors, you know, roll this back 200 years ago. And still, our bodies weren't really designed to eat meat, but the meat that people were eating, maybe they raised it themselves in their own backyard. They knew every single thing that went into it. There was no Monsanto. There was no, like, GMO corn feed going into this thing. It was a whole different process. There was a little bit more reverence. And so now, we live in a world where you just go down to your local supermarket and everything is shrink-wrapped. It's all done for you. It's all as clean and neat as can be. And nobody even wants to see the blood. I mean, they put in a little tampon in there to absorb all the blood so you don't even have to see it. <laughs> right, a little maxi pad at the little, bottom. Yeah. And so, <laughs> it's, it's really removed and desensitized and people are not connected with what's actually going on in that food this is a massive massive desensitization technique by the powers in control yeah yeah and so okay so what do we do about this right there's all this sort of doom and gloom and like oh my gosh i mean in, in every every department of the industry right we've talked about the fish we've talked about the the beef and the chicken and the you know and even the dairy it's like even the pesticide-ridden vegetables. Even all the vegetables. So it's like, well, what do we do? This is when you you speak your truth, right? You speak up about what it is that you want to have your food situation look like. You welcome the divine into every meal. You bring your own instincts into every meal. You let every time you eat be an opportunity to acknowledge the interconnectedness with all of life. You call in reverence. You start creating healthy and nurturing food traditions. You start shifting these old patterns. You become aware of how the foods that you're eating are influencing your moods, your thoughts, and your energy level. You become aware that every single meal is a miracle, that that food is there for you. Yeah. Yeah, and then you bring in lots of love, and you work towards ridding yourself of your food addictions. Let yourself be free from the spirals of food addiction. Trust that every food that you eat is a an opportunity to rid your body of toxins, to cleanse your body of, of toxic material. And so when you eat really high vibrational alive food that is organic, that is grown sustainably, locally, harvested with love, infused with your own love, that is going to nourish each one of your cells. Like the body always wants to be well. The body always wants to be well. And so in every moment, it's constantly cleansing and purging and renewing and healing. And so what you're putting into your body is going to be either supporting that process or hindering it and making it more challenging for your body to do what it naturally wants to do, right? So you, you know, eat something that has, that's really bioavailable, phytonutrient-rich food, your cells are going to be doing a happy dance. They're going to be like, hallelujah, and then start cleansing themselves. Your walk's going to be individual. It's going to be unique. And maybe you're not ready to just all of a sudden go vegan. What you really can do, though, is just call in more intentionality. You can become conscious of your food choices. And you can become aware of not only what your food choices do to you and your body, but what the larger ramifications and ripple effects are. Right, so start reading labels, start knowing what is your food is comprised of, start knowing where your food is coming from in the world, start knowing what it took to get to you and to have it be grown. And if you're interested in maybe moving towards a more sustainable plant-based diet, I will include in the text for this episode some links, some direct links for more resources that you can go check out, some of the films that I listed earlier. Yeah, and, and so I want to let you know, too, that there are certain herbs that can be taken medicinally, right? Like turmeric is really great for the, for the pancreas. Uh, watercress is really a great thing to uh, up your energy and create more warmth inside the body. Swiss chard is, like, going to knock diabetes out of your life. Um, you know, tomatoes are really great for prostate health. All of these things, start learning what the medicinal qualities of your food are and then incorporating more of that into your life and make sure that they're organic. So you can start small, 
And those small steps are going to create massive change in your life. Yeah, so now on a practical level, one of the questions that I do get asked a lot is, what in the world do you eat? Oh, it must be so hard. It must be so hard to do that. Right, or, or like, how do you get enough protein? Or how do you get enough, aren't you worried about your B12 intake? Well, the protein thing, there's actually a myth. It's called it's, the protein myth. You can look that up. Just type in the protein myth and, and see what you find And this is part out. of the propaganda. This is part of the, the meat industry propaganda. Protein is in all food. Every single piece of food, even a piece of iceberg lettuce. Not very much in the iceberg lettuce, well, but I'm saying that is the lowest is end. Kind of worthless. I'm using it as the furthest end of the spectrum. Even that has some protein in it. And so right. the thing is, is how soluble is your protein? The protein in some steak not very soluble. So you get a tiny portion of the protein that's actually in the food. One handful of kidney beans has more soluble protein than a 16-ounce steak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's more, more protein per ounce in broccoli than there is digestible protein in broccoli than there is in steak. So, protein's in like all your I food. like I said, it takes about 12 hours to digest a steak. That's just to break it down so that you can poo it out. That doesn't even mean that you're absorbing all of the nutrients from it. Yeah, proteins in all your food. You don't even need to worry about that. And, just eat. Yeah. <laughs> just eat food. Yeah. And it, and that's, you know, with the meat, it's fat-soluble versus water-soluble is way easier to digest. So now it's like, okay, well, how do you go out and eat? How do you go out into the world and eat food? And it isn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's easy. Sometimes it takes a little bit of research or diligence, or sometimes it just takes the courage to speak up. One of the things that most restaurants will do, I have not met a restaurant that won't do this for you. If you go into any steakhouse in the country, you could ask the waiter for your specific food choices. You could say, okay, I happen to be vegan, so all of your vegetables that you have, put them in a pan and saute it. Could you put that on a plate with some spinach leaves? Thank you. That's what I want. And they'll make that for you. No problem. You just have to speak up for your needs. We've, um, Rachel and I have traveled to many places that are not typically veg friendly and all our food needs are always met. In fact, we have a, <laughs> we have a trip to Iceland coming up soon, which we're really, really excited about. And it's so funny because I, I was looking up, like, that's one of the number one things we do is like, well, what are we going to be able to eat there? And I found some little cute little memes. I mean, they're still over there, like, hunting whales and seals and like, you know, grilling puffins and one of their favorite foods is fermented shark meat. Right. And they they're into all the stuff. They're into head cheese, blood sausage, all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, ooh, yikes, what are what are we gonna be be able to eat there? And yeah, one of the memes that I found was like or oh, it said sheep feeding Iceland since eight seventy nine AD or something. So yeah, it's like not a lot grows there. And they, that's how they have survived. However, even places like this are waking up in the world. And I did find a number of plant-based diet food restaurants in the bigger cities. And then on the outskirts, you know, we'll bring our food and maybe uh, get really creative. And I might live off a little bit more grain for a day or two. Trail mix it up. Right, right. Oh, and another meme that I saw too was... When most people die, they get sent to, to Hades, the underworld. And when vegetarians die to pay for their sins, they get sent to Iceland. It was so funny. <laughs> and you know what? Even with all that, I'm sure we're going to be fine. Oh, we're going to be great. We're going to be totally fine. So you can do research ahead. You can always find something to eat. Your food needs will always be met. Yeah. Just do your research. Be conscious. Start to start to wake up about your food choices and what you're putting into your body. It makes a big difference. Right. You know, because every ailment that you have, whether it be allergies or anemia, respiratory problems, arthritis, skin problems, autism, like ADD, cancer, blood circulation problems, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, all of this stuff is created by the food that you're consuming. Did you mention arthritis, diabetes, high cholesterol? Yes, all these things. Yes, all of it. Yeah, you can. they have the cure for cancer already, and they don't want you to know it's your food. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us on this possibly edgy topic. We would love to support you further. 
In my work with clients, I work on whatever their specific area of need is. And if your need was how to gracefully and powerfully shift your diet, I can help you with that. I am a transformation specialist, and so whatever it is you're looking to transform in your life, I can get you from point A to point B. Reach out. I'm here for you. Yeah, and I really believe that you have to get at health and wellness from all angles, every angle. You know, there's no one cure-all. It has to be your whole lifestyle has to shift in order to support the optimum function of your being. And so in my seven-week program, the Seven Self-Care Success Secrets for Holistic Luxury and Vibrant Sexuality, I spend an entire section on food and how to elevate the vibration of your food, how to be more conscious about your food. And then I take that even to greater depth when I work with women at the mastery level. And then, like I mentioned earlier, when women work with me at at the VIP level for a day or for an entire weekend, food is a big part of that. You actually even have a cookbook. Yeah, I did. I just created a, a little recipe book that is to help support women in their in their health goals a lot of people ask me what do i eat and so i figured well i'll just put it down on paper and And give a little sampling of what my daily weekly monthly routine is and i can tell you tried and true these are all great recipes i love everything that's in there yeah and i have a little bit of stuff for you know lighter quick uh, you know i am i like quick food I don't like fast food. (laughs) There's a difference. There's a big difference. But I do like really quick food. I don't have time. I have a lot of things that I'm creating and a lot of people that I'm serving. And so I need my food to be able to be quickly prepared. And I do also have some other items that are heartier. So if you're wanting to make that transition from, you know, beef steaks into salads, but you don't know if that's going to nourish you as much. I have some stuff in my recipe book that's that's somewhere in between. And so the way that you access that is uh, contact me at all these things and more at gmail.com or check me out at, on Facebook, Rachel Alcyon, or go to my website, rachelalcyon.com, and I would love to be of service to you. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-A-L-C-Y-O-N-E. And you can check out more about this show. We have a Facebook page that's great. There's all kinds of inspiring content that I like to put there. Anything that makes you ecstatic about your existence. And that is Ecstatic Existence on Facebook. You can find me there. And my personal website is ecstaticexistence.com. You can check that out. All my different offerings and programs. I'm absolutely enjoying sharing this high-level content with you through the podcast, and we have some amazing guests lined up. So stay tuned for more of that. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Give us a like. Share it with a friend. This is the kind of content that needs to get out. So spread the word. And until next time, eat well, be well, and be in love.